It's called The Elements of Christmas. So turn with me in your Bibles over to uh, Matthew chapter 2, where we're going to start today's reading. And then put your finger over in Revelations 22, and that's where we'll end up today. So what are the elements of Christmas? There's many, but remember, we're just going to be looking at four of them during this series. We started with the star, and the star symbolizes hope. Thank you. I know that you were just right there. And Pastor Denny did a great job last week preaching on what the tree represents for the Christian. What does it remind us of? The Jesus, the cross. That's right. And he went into all the different things. I mean, that garland that goes around the stripes of Christ. You know, those lights on the tree, the colors. He did, I mean, I just, I filled up with notes. It's just awesome. Remember, we're trying to do this so that when you sit around with your family and your friends at Christmas time, you'll have topics. You'll have things that you can spark your conversation with that can bring them back to Christ. Remember, Christmas is the celebration of Christ. So that it's not just all oh, let's gather around, shove our face, unwrap the gift, and take off so we can sleep in because we're going to get at least one day off, hopefully. But that we'll be able to sit down with our kids or sit down with that relative that you only see once a year. And as you look over at the tree, you know, say, hey, you know what? A couple weeks ago at church, we talked about the star, and I was reminded what that star symbolizes and what it reminds us of. Or, boy, Pastor Denny was talking about that garland and, and those different colors and, and what that means to us. Well, today I want us, week three, to look at the third element that we're going to discuss, and that's the gift. Obviously, one of my love languages, one my most important love language is gifts. Not only do I love giving gifts, I mean love giving gifts. I love getting gifts. And I even, really, what's important to me is even how the gift is given. To a person who loves gifts, um, gift bags are okay, really. Uh, grocery bags are not okay. <laughs> and I could really tell on Brian during this message, but I won't because I love him very much and I want him to make dinner this afternoon. But when a person who's paired with somebody who, who loves gifts and loves getting gifts is paired with somebody who has, it isn't important at all, uh, a card with cash in it, the, day, the one of those, oh, I forgot it was your birthday, hold on a minute, I've got to run to the grocery store. I love you, honey. I love you, honey. It's hard. It is very important. The time, the effort, the thought, the energy expressed. There's more to the value of this gift than just what's in this gift. 
And actually, I want to look at what I believe are three quantifiable items to showing the worth, the value of a gift. But let's look over first at Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Of course, I, I couldn't talk about gifts first without reading the story, since it's Christmas time. Uh, at least a part of Jesus' birth here. And actually, I said a couple weeks ago that this was, um, most scholars say this was two years. By the time the wise men came, it was two years. And let me just put a little thought. This is free. Because I'm weird and I think about weird things like this. If it was two years, for you that are parents, could you imagine still living in that little stable with a two-year-old? Stop touching that. Don't touch it. Oh, that's stinky. Get away from that. Don't eat that. Get that out of your mouth. You don't know where that's been. Sorry, that was just free. Anyway, Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, which is wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Did you realize that? All Jerusalem was disturbed. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Now go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gifts of gold, of incense, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for the revelation and the um, illumination of your word that will come today, not only to our minds, but to our hearts, Lord. That it will be that seed planted in good soil that will produce a harvest of righteousness for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Why is a gift so important? What is so important about a gift? What makes one gift better than another? What distinguishes the value of a gift? The current market value, is it? The price that was paid for it? 
Well, Catherine, I'm sorry, Audrey Hepburn said, you can always tell what kind of a person a man really thinks you are by the earrings he gives you. So what is it? Is it the price that you paid for it? Is it the current market value for it? Or could it be that the value of the gift is based upon the value of the gift giver, the one who gave the gift, and what that person means to the one receiving the gift? Or could it be the necessity of the gift? Was it needed? I actually believe that there are three aspects, three quantifiable points to determine the value of any gift. And they are, one, who gave you the gift. Does that or does that not mark the value of it? Yeah, it does. What that person means to you. Number two, what the gift is. Was it something that was necessary, needed, or desired? Right? Because if somebody gives me a wrench, I'll be like, oh, that's nice. I know it's necessary, but do I need it? Do I want it? And what you do with the gift determines its value. I mean, you search long and hard for this book that just has everything. This one individual just needs you know that this, if they just read this book, it is just going to send them soaring and you stop by their house and they're using it to prop up the table. How do they value that? What are they doing with that gift? Those three points, I believe, can measure, quantify the value of any gift. The wise men brought three very valuable gifts. Value based upon all three of these aspects. Number one, who gave the gifts? These men, these wise men came from the east, from a distant land, from a long ways away. They had been searching, studying the scripture, waiting, teaching others, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, waiting and waiting. And then to get on, not in their little cars and drive an hour away. It was a long distance. It took a long time. It spent a lot of energy, a lot of money to go very far. Who gave the gifts? These wise men gave their life to the study of and waiting for the opportunity. Am I going to be the one that will be able to bring the gift to the king that we've been waiting for? What was the gifts given? Were they necessary, needed, or desired? That was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, do you know gold was, it was not, I don't, I don't want to use the word common, not just appropriate. Every king was recognized a king because they brought him gold. If you brought somebody gold, you were saying, you are king. Gold was can't think of the right word there, but it was a symbol of kingship. It was always given to kings. Frankincense was a very expensive oil that was used in the temples for the worship of God. Frankincense. Myr yeah, it's still expensive. 
Myrrh was the spice used in the ancient times to embalm the dead. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the three gifts, the three gifts that declare Jesus, the baby you're holding right now, is king. He is worthy to be worshipped, and he was born to die. Here's these three gifts. And number three, what did they do with the gifts? I don't know. It doesn't say. Did they take the gold and then put it in an account so it would bear some interest so that when it was time to send him to school, he would have his tuition paid for? Or did they hold on to the money so that when he turned 12, they could uh, have his little confirmation service <laughs> and give him a donkey of his own? Here you go. I don't know. I'm sure they were really careful what they spent that money on because remember, that gold represented his kingship. And what about the frankincense? Do you think that they burn that every morning at daily family devotions? Maybe they did. Myrrh. Now that one got me. And I, I had to choke back a couple frogs in my throat over this one. Because when she was given, when Mary was handed that bottle of myrrh, knowing that this is for the embalming of the dead, to set that on the mantle in her house and look at that bottle every day and say, one day, I'm going to have to pull that down and use it. One day, that's going to be my job. How important, necessary, maybe not desired, but necessary. Knowing that one day was coming when she would have to use it. Taking these same aspects, these three quantifiable points to determine the value of gifts, I want us to look at the, I believe we have been given five gifts. To each one of us, five gifts have been given. I could easily jump to the five gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 that talk about the fivefold ministry, the apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, but these were gifts given to the church for the edifying, for the equipping of the saints, the body, to do the work of the ministry. What I want to talk about is the five gifts that we have been given, each one of us have been given. And then we're going to quantify, we're going to measure the value of these gifts. When I was writing this message, putting this message together, God showed me this um, picture of these, they're called nesting dolls. Can you put that up? You know what those are? Nesting dolls. Actually, they're called matrushka dolls, Russian dolls, matrushka dolls, also known as Russian nestling or nesting dolls, barbushka doll, refers to a set of wooden dolls of decreasing size placed one inside another. Matrashkas are used metaphorically as a design paradigm known as the matrashka principle or nested doll principle. It denotes a recognizable relationship of an object within a similar object that appears in the design of many other natural and crafted objects. The onion metaphor is of similar character. 
If the outer layer is peeled off, an onion, a similar onion, exists within it. A set of matrashkas consists of a wooden figure which separates top from bottom to reveal a smaller figure of the same sort inside. Go to the next picture. That's how they set. Which has in turn another figure inside of it and so on and so on. The number of nested figures is traditionally not less than five. The smallest innermost doll is typically a baby laid from a single small piece of wood and hence is non-opening, but it refers back to the original figure. The five gifts. Thank you. You can go back to the Christmas graphic. The five gifts I believe we have been given, each one of us, is number one, God the Father, Jesus our Savior, the Holy Spirit our power, ourselves. He's given each one of us a personal gift. And then others, which perpetually spins this gift giving back to the Father again. God, our Heavenly Father, where all life begins and love begins, gave us his one and only Son as the Savior of the world, gave us the promised Holy Spirit as the power to do all we have and need to do, who gave each one of us a specific gift to use in reaching out to others, to awaken in them the gift of the Heavenly Father, who then in turn awakens them to Jesus, their Lord and Savior, and on and on and on. It perpetuates. It's a gift that keeps going. It's the gift over and over, referring back to the original. Jesus said in John 14, 20, on that day, and I believe today's the day, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you, nested inside one, inside the other, inside the other. Allow me just a few more minutes to unwrap these five gifts. Number one, God, our Heavenly Father. James 2, 16 through 18. We just heard it. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes, never casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, we are called his prized possession. Philip Yancey said, what I see in the Bible, especially in the book of Psalms, which is a book of gratitude for the created world, is a recognition that all good things of earth are God's and every good gift is from above. They are good if we recognize where they came from. And if we treat them the way the designer intended them to be treated, there it is. There's a value of it. Who gave you the gift? Where does all these gifts nestle inside? In him we live and move and have our being. In him Number two, Jesus, our Savior. John 4.10 says, Jesus replied to the woman at the well. He replied, if you only knew the gift of God. If you only knew the gift of God 
who it is that asks you for a drink. Ephesians 2.8 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Was this gift needed? Was Jesus Christ needed? Was he necessary? Romans explains that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We were bound for hell without Jesus would still be going there. That gift is needed. It's necessary. Salvation is God's gift. You can't earn it and you certainly don't deserve it. But yes, it is needed. It's necessary. Oswald Chambers says we have to realize that we cannot earn or win anything from God through our own efforts. We must either receive it as a gift or do without it. Jesus is the gift that God hands to every one of us. And we seriously either take it, receive it, or we say, no, thank you. And do you know how many Christians are being offered this gift? Christians are being offered the gift of Jesus and they do this. Oh, isn't this nice? We'll just set it right there. Let me ask you. See, I told you at the beginning, I love giving gifts as much as I love receiving gifts. What do you think does to my spirit when I hand somebody a gift and they don't open it? Or they go, oh, man, this isn't, I'm just going to set it right here how much torture it is for me at Christmas time to buy gifts and see them sitting around the tree and I pace and I look at that tree. Oh, I want them to hurry up and get here and open them present. Oh, I want them to. Oh, can you just hear the father's heart saying, I've got such a good gift. But for them to just take it, put it under their arm and say, I'll get to this later. I got so many other things to do. God, thanks for the gift, but I'll get to this later. Or you know what? It's a nice gift, and I can even peek at it. Come on, you know you did that before growing up. You, you peeled that tape away. I remember one Christmas, my sister and I. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. But it was one of those years, unlike any other year, and mom, dad was working at GM, and mom was working, and we were getting up to the bottom of the middle class and the gifts around the tree, it was just huge. It was too much for me and my sister to handle. And I don't know where mom and dad were that night, but they left us alone and I looked at Carrie and I'm sure I egged her on. I'm like, I know I can peel tape back and we can peek at every one of those gifts and I can't wait any longer. See, I didn't know that God had put that inside me. I didn't know that. And so carefully, we did. We cut the tape on everyone and opened it. Oh, 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 I finally got that. And then we taped them all back up again and put them right back where we found them. And we just sat there. And to tell you the truth, I've told the story too many times. I don't remember. Did we ever tell you that we did that? Oh, just a little. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mama. 
But it is, it's so hard for somebody like myself, and you know God's heart is that I'm giving you stuff not to just hold on to and not just look at, but to enjoy, to open. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate gift that can't just be looked upon, put on a shelf, and isn't that nice? He's got to be consumed, and it's hard for me to even explain this in, in a short amount of time, but ingested. And the nested dolls is a nice way to look at it that we actually get within and let him close down on us. It's not a gift that we put on ourselves, but that we climb inside of. And then he wraps up, closes down over us. The third one, the Holy Spirit, the power. Acts 1, 4 and 5 says, On one occasion while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God that God gave us, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I could go on and on and on. Scriptures as uh, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Greater works will you do. Why? How? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because when we step inside of Jesus, who is inside of God, inside of the Holy Spirit, Nested inside, inside, inside. When I was in prayer this morning, the Holy Spirit just opened this up to me. And he says, you know what? Too many people don't see miracles happening because they step outside of that and say, oh, I'll go pray for Anna. Oh, I'll pray for Jessica. Oh, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go do that. And all the time, God's over here. Our main focus is to just get in. Stay in. Stay in God. Stay in Jesus. Stay in the Holy Spirit. So that it, it's like... <laughs> you ever seen a mama really pregnant? Have you ever watched the baby move and you can see an arm or an elbow or a leg or a foot and it pushes out? That's what you are. When you stay in God and you pray for somebody, it's not your hand laying on them. It's the Holy Spirit that's in Jesus that's in God. And all you do when you're nested in that is you just lay your hand out and it's the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus, it's God. Boom! 
touches that person. But when you step outside of that and, oh, I'm going to do this, and, I, and you know, God, you're good, but Sunday I'll come back to you here. Let's just set that on the shelf. You are powerless. You can do nothing apart from me, the word says. You remain in me, and my word remains in you, and we can do all things. Nothing's impossible. All we have to do is stay nested in. So we are inside the Holy Spirit, who's inside Jesus, who's inside of our Heavenly Father. Who's inside us? Well, first, God gave us something. God gave each one of us a gift. Our own personal gift. 1 Peter 4.10 and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Again, in, in, in. When you speak, it goes through those layers. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God will be praised through Jesus Christ. Again, there's those layers. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Because when you're in and you're pushing forth and you're doing everything from the nested state of being in God, you don't get the glory for all those things. They don't even see you. They won't remember you. How good is that? When you leave, they'll remember God was here. Something different happened. 1 Corinthians 7, 7, Paul said, Each of you has your own gift from God. I've heard it said that our talents are the gift that God gives to us. What we do with our talents is our gift back to God. There's that value again. What are you going to do with the gift? That determines the value. And number five, okay, now we're here. Remember the picture? The nested dolls, big ones, smaller, 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 smaller. We're that last one that can be opened. What's inside of us? Others. Others is the fifth gift. Looking at those nesting dolls, those others are the center. The definition, it says that they're the smallest, innermost doll is typically a baby laid from a single piece of wood and hence is non-opening, but it refers back to the original. Others set inside of us. The fate of others sets inside of us. Let's look over at Revelations 22 where you already had your finger there. Revelations 22, if you don't know, this is the end of the book. Starting at verse 12. It says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, 
And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes and they, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And outside are all the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Verse 17, listen here. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, come. One after the other, after the other, come. God says, come. Jesus says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. We cry out and say, come. And then it perpetuates. It goes right back to the Father again. But when we stand still and don't do our part, it cuts it off right there. It stops with you. And that baby dies inside you. The fate of others rests inside you, perpetuating that love back to the Father again. The Full Life Study Bible comments on these scriptures and says the last mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible shows him inspiring the bride, the church, to invite all who want salvation to come to Christ. The church is now empowered. You are now empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the entire evangelism of the world. The fate of these others rest inside you. Our challenge every day, every day is will you tell them? Will you go? Will you love them? Will you explain to them? Will you disciple them? Like a newborn baby, you have to constantly feed. You have to constantly love and hold. Does that baby love you back? It loves what you're doing for it. But until it awakens to how it can care for itself, it needs you or it will die. The fate of those others rests inside you. So there's the five gifts. God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, our power, ourselves, our own personal gift. Each one of us have been given a gift to serve others. He's even given, he didn't just tell you, you have to go do this. He's saying, here's all the stuff you're going to need to go do this, to minister to others. It's your responsibility. And others that, again, will 
perpetuate, we'll, we'll keep that wheel spinning back to God. Remember, there are those three aspects to determining the value of any gift. Who gave you the gift? What that person means to you? How much does God mean to you? If he means more to you than just something you do on Sunday, then you'll respect, you'll honor, you'll seek after the gifts that he's given you. They'll mean more to you. The more you fall in love with your heavenly father, the more the things that he does for you will mean to you. What the gift is, is what he gives you necessary, needed, or desired. If you don't think it's necessary, it'll stop there. As for somebody else. I'm not an evangelist. He never said you are. He never said you have to be an evangelist before you go tell somebody how much God loves them. He says everything you need to take care of those, that the fate of those others rests inside you. Everything you need to take care of them, I'll give you. But again, it's a gift you have to receive. And what do you do with a gift? Will you set it on your shelf or will you pay it forward? When you take care of them, when you love them, when you awaken their need to a heavenly father, it spins that back around again. And then they'll go off and they'll say, did you know we have a heavenly father who gave us his one and only son who died so that I wouldn't have to go to hell? Did you know that? And then he even said all these, all these miracles that he did in the Bible that we can do bigger, better, greater things. Because he's, he's sitting there beside the Father and he's interceding for us. And he's saying, you know what, go ahead and give her. Missy, what, what she just asked for, go ahead. That's okay, give her that. Actually, give her more. She's going to need more because I see who else is coming up and who else she needs to minister. Give her more than what she's asking for. So then they go off and they start awakening the Heavenly Father gift in other people. And it goes on and on. But when you don't do your part, that baby dies inside of you. And it stops right there. And then your life is no longer a gift back to God. Is it? Here's the application. Again, I said it at the beginning. We're doing all this so that when you sit around your Christmas trees, when you're sitting at your Christmas parties, when you're eating all the Christmas fudge, yum. We've helped to season your conversations that can bring Christmas back to its original meaning, and that is the celebration of Christ. So the star on the tree, did you know what that means? That beautiful garland that color red, that color green, those lights on the tree, those gifts under the tree. Next week, Pastor Neil's going to wrap up the Christmas series and, and a message about family. And he's going to start to unwrap the Father's heart and what that means as, as an aspect of Christmas. And I, so I don't want to steal his thunder but before we go any farther, I want to pray for you. Because the question is, what are you doing with the gifts you've been given? 
those five gifts that you've been given, what are you doing with them? If you're not setting inside the Holy Spirit that's nestled inside of Jesus, that's nestled inside of the Father, if you're not giving life, giving love, giving of yourself and your gifts to the baby that's inside of you, that gift of others, what are you doing? Let me ask you, because maybe you have a good relationship with your Father, with a Heavenly Father. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and, and Savior. But maybe it kind of stopped right there. And you didn't really know about this Holy Spirit thing, so that's for somebody else. Do you know if you took those nested dolls and you take one of them out, say, you know what, just don't think I believe in this one here. Pick them up again. And I really looked for... I run, Anyway, if you pick it up, it's awkward. It doesn't like to set up straight. It's knocking around all the time. There's something just off with it. If you ever opened up, a, if I was to hand you this gift right now and have you open it up, there's nothing in it. It sounds like there's something in it, she says. There is nothing in these gifts. They're empty. So even if you went and you made sure you've got everything, you are nestled in the Holy Spirit, you're nested in Jesus, you're nested in the Father, but this little baby thing, that others thing, that's just not me. That's for somebody else. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes down here, which he does, he uses us, and pops you open, He'll look inside. It's like opening a gift, and there's nothing in it. Uh, what happened? Something wrong. Something wrong. There's something missing. There is no way you can take any one of these five and separate one of them out. They all five have to be set inside the other. I was praying this morning, God, let this be not only a new way of thinking for us, but let it become our reality so that we won't do things on our own. We won't try to push off our responsibility onto somebody else, but we will make it our mission, our new reality that every day will stay nested inside the Holy Spirit, inside of Jesus, inside of the Father, and we'll do our part to make sure we're nourishing and feeding and loving these babies of others. Let this be our new reality. So let me close by asking the prayer team to come up here because what I want to do, and I believe that this is God um, showing me this, that there's too many of us sitting in this room that have either been doing Christian life without the Holy Spirit or we set them on a shelf and thought, well, we'll pick them up here and there. You know, we'll, we'll, when we're in worship, we'll get in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't work. That's like plucking yourself out of those nested dolls. You can't do anything apart from God. 
The Holy Spirit is your power. And your love. And your self-discipline. You need the Holy Spirit. Spread out. Don't be so rigid. It's okay. It's all right. It's a good thing. Maybe it's been a long time since you've actually felt like you've been moving in the Holy Spirit. Today's your day. If you have never asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit, today's your day. Or maybe you've been sitting here and through the whole message, you said, you know what? I haven't even stepped into the first one. I haven't been really awakened to the fact that I have a heavenly father and I need to have a relationship with him. Maybe you've plucked yourself out of that nesting and you've been doing life on your own. Today's your day. And these people up here have been praying and soaking themselves in God's presence so that when you come up here again, it's not them that's laying hands on you. Their hands outstretched, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. It's God touching you. It's all heaven's resources lavished upon you because they're staying nested in. So if that's you, let me just close in prayer and then I want you to come up. We're opening up the altars. I want you to get filled, refilled, filled and refilled, the Bible says. Get filled and refilled. Continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Father, we just lift up our lives to you right now. God, and wherever we're at in, in those nesting dolls, if, if that, that simple illustration. God, if we've removed ourselves from any aspect, we ask first for forgiveness, God. We repent. As Peter cried out, we repent. We, we ask for you to forgive us and we'll turn away. We won't live that way anymore. We'll go the exact opposite way. We'll follow hard after you. And God, we cry out. We need all of you. And it's as simple as just stepping in, receiving that gift of stepping in. And God, we repent for not taking the responsibility and the gift of others seriously. That there's these babies are dying and going to hell because we're not doing our part, God. We cry out, we're sorry, Lord. Forgive us, God. Don't let another day, another moment go by that we just ignore them. You hear their cries constantly. God, open our ears to hear them crying. Crying out that they need their heavenly Father. And they're not even awakened to that fact. Because we haven't done our part. Forgive us, God. I'm asking you right now, if you need prayer, to come up to the front. To get filled. Use the altar to cry out. Use the altar to get nestled in. But don't leave here. Don't leave here the same. You don't have to go home and fix something. 
You don't have to get your life right before you get nested in God. He fixes those things. Let him take care of those things, whatever they are. Forget about them. And just come step in. So at whatever point, maybe it was you've been shirking your responsibility from nurturing and caring for others, to maybe you just need to begin a relationship with God. Or maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on up. Come on up. Today's your day. Today's your day.